It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com Digital Sports Commerce Center. As always, it's presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. And each and every week, of course, I'm joined by my man Rick Broering as we discuss sports topics of local interest, maybe a national topic or two. We got a gambling segment we usually get to and a portion of the program where you can ask me a question on anything. Just go to Twitter. Hit up the hashtag AskSkinnyAnything. Rick, I'm not so sure that three hours is going to cover this podcast today, but we're going to try to condense it to 90 minutes. We usually talk every week about when nothing's going on. Man, we only got about 40 minutes of material, and we somehow stretch it out to an hour and a half. We got a Reds, don't call it a tank job, because we're trying to avoid peaks and valleys by just diving headlong into the valley. We got Bengals free agency. We've got the situation at Xavier. And, of course, we've got, oh, yeah, the only, probably the biggest thing of the week, the NCAA tournament to discuss. Anything I missed? There's no way you could have convinced me a week ago, two days ago, a month ago, that we would be a day before the NCAA tournament gets full-fledged underway and it wouldn't lead this show. In fact, right. it's going to be the third thing we talk about. Right. No, that's, 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 that's insane to crazy. me. But it is insane to me. That's where we're at. Let's jump right in. We'll start with the bad, I guess. The Reds shipped starting catcher Tucker Barnhart to the Detroit Tigers, placed pitcher Wade Miley on waivers. Then they dealt starter Sonny Gray to the Minnesota Twins. And now they've traded outfielder Jesse Winker and third baseman Eugenio Suarez to the Mariners. And they've also essentially admitted they're not even trying to re-sign outfielder Nick Castellanos, which isn't a big surprise. People are mad, Skinny. They're not happy. There's five little Johnnies and Freds outside of GABP. I still think with signs yelling and all the local media are treating them like a front page headline story. Should fans be as outraged by this as they are right now? Yes, they should be. Uh, now I'm going to give you in, an, in, an, in each of these instances, why from a baseball perspective, these probably aren't bad moves. And I'm going to do the caveat. If you take the money and reinvest it elsewhere, which they're not going to do. Do I mind them trading Tucker Barnhart and his contract as a backup catcher? No. Do I mind them getting rid of a Eugenio Suarez's contract? No. And it made you handcuff Jesse Winker, which that's a little much, but okay. Do I mind them trading Sonny Gray, who gets you about 22, 24 starts a year, um, you know, to, to free up some more money? No. Um, I, I'm missing him. Do, do I mind them letting Wade Miley walk at, at 10 mil um, when he kind of faltered down the stretch last year? No. But, but what makes me mad is then, okay, if those are all baseball decisions, and that's what we're told, these are these are baseball decisions to eventually make the club better, then take that money and reinvest it. And one of the pl- first places to reinvest is in Nick Castellanos, and then go reinvest it elsewhere. Um, that's the part that would make me the maddest, because listen, while they keep saying this is not a rebuild, and maybe it's not a rebuild, because I guess you got to build something before you rebuild it, Um this is what this is. And in, in, in this market, it might be the right thing to do at this point in time. It really might be, except we just came out of one and it didn't work and it didn't last very long. It lasted for a, a COVID season and then kind of a head scratching. Nobody could get their act together season the next year. Then you blow it up and start all over again. I don't expect fans to stomach that. I'm not going to stomach that. And I just said that saying some of these moves, I don't mind them in, in, in their individuality. If you're going to do something with the money saved, but they're not. And the other part to it, Rick, that really is distressing is, do I trust shifty-eyed Nick Crawl to make things right and get this organization back on track? And goof-nut Bob Castellini, who doesn't know what day it is to, to figure out what's going on? No, I don't trust these people. That's the other part. If I trusted these people, if Theo Epstein was in the general manager's office, I'd go, 
He's got a plan. I don't. It doesn't look really good right now, but I've watched what he's done elsewhere. He's got a plan. I don't know, Nick. Nick Kroll looks like a middle manager from Office Space. He looks like he's asking for the TPS reports, and if they're not on your desk, he's just going to go, okay. I mean, it, it, that's why this is such a mess. I, I won't name names, but someone did ask me whether Nick Kroll was a putt or a chode the other day, and I, <laughs> that made me laugh. Uh, I, 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 will say, I, I will say this. I, I had an agent friend of mine text me who I, who I trust and have known for a long, long time who said, listen, Nick Kroll doesn't look good. There's no question about it. Um, and he comes off goofy, but he is clearly the fall guy for all of this. I mean, the fact that they tried it out, and I love her to death. Karen Forgus, I've known for a long time. Um, Karen uh, is is just really good people. I work with her in in the in the uh, in the radio days. She worked at Clear Channel back in the day. But the fact that they trotted her out there yesterday to have some kind of a uh, make some kind of a statement, and the statement was just so bad. Um, I got to see if I can find the daggone statement, Rick. It's in here somewhere. But it was just such a generic statement of these are these are baseball moves being made. We understand the fans' frustration. Where's Bob Castellini in all this? I couldn't agree more there. Like, if you're going to do this, at least put your face on it a little bit. You know what's coming. I mean, you media dumped the, the, the two days right in the middle of NFL free agency right after the Bengals were making their moves. Now, I don't know if you could time it as well as they did necessarily, but you have to think there was a little bit of a news dump aspect of this going no, on what? here with the way it came out. So they no, knew what? what was coming. And I agree with you that not all of these moves are bad moves in themselves. Our old colleague, Jed Demusi made a point that to, and he's, he's a bit of a contrarian. Um, but he made a point to the effect of he could he doesn't think these players are as good as Reds fans do. No, I agree. So he with doesn't some think these are terrible moves. And I, I I could agree with that, but I think there are different levels to each move. Like different ones piss me off more than others, like starting with Sonny Gray. He's on a great contract, a team-friendly contract. You didn't get a whole lot back for him. I mean, yes, you got some prospects. We're talking about no, you got a prospect. No, 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 no. You got a prospect. Right, for Sonny Gray. I'm just talking about overall. You're, you're yeah. right. But I'm talking about overall. You got a couple prospects, but nothing that's going to help you in anywhere near the immediate future. And you had a team last year that was a winning team that was just a couple games away from being in the playoffs, and they expanded the playoffs by a team this year. Correct. You would have been in with the same team, essentially, if you put together the same type of season. Rick, so, if this is not a, Rick, if this is not a salary dump, could you have not gotten more for Sonny Gray in, in all likelihood at the trade? Now, you're rolling the dice that he doesn't get hurt, and he's got an injury history. But in theory, wouldn't you have a chance to command more at the trade deadline if you're not just trying to dump the salary? 100%. Even if he had an up-and-down year like he did last year, and I think a lot of that was due to injuries. There's a, a little bit of concern that it might have had to yes. do with some of the sticky tech yes. stuff. But for the most yes. part, people that track the, the RPMs and different metrics of, of the pitches – said it all came back by the end of the year. He just wasn't getting the results. So they don't think it was related to the, the tack rule where they they cracked down on pictures using sticky substances. That being said, yes, absolutely. Even if he had an up and down year at the trade deadline, he still has great value because he's proven himself before. He's got some talent and he's on a very team-friendly contract. He's costing about $10 million a year. That, yes. that is a good deal for a pitcher in his prime that is anywhere near decent. I, that, that, that's the one that, that pisses me off by far the most. I would say Winker second for obvious reasons. He looks like he's entering his prime. He was an all-star last year. He's starting to turn the corner and he was a fan favorite. I mean, everyone liked him. We watched him grow up here and I don't really get how you're going to replace him in the middle of your lineup. 
going forward in the near future. So that's a problem. Miley, I can see a little bit if you're thinking we caught lightning in a bottle with him last year. Don't really think he's that good. We can get something for him right now. I'd be fine with that. Problem is you didn't get anything for him. Barnhart, like you said, no problem getting rid of him. Suarez, great job getting rid of him in his contract and getting someone to take all of it. Problem is you had to give Jesse Winker a way to do it as well. And you didn't get a whole lot in return. So but the, again, but the point goes back to you've saved about 60 some odd million dollars. Again, I'm good with all of those things if you're going to reinvest it. But even if you're going to reinvest all of that, it doesn't make any sense. You like the two the couple of pitchers that you're getting rid of were cheap. You're sure. not going to do better than that with like quality caliber starters. And in terms of getting rid of a big middle of your line of bat like Jesse Winker, you're not going to be able to just easily replace some of the things that you gave away. And oh yeah, by the way, what are we doing with Jonathan India and Joey Votto's last couple of years now, like just wasting that little window that you got, you got a rookie of the year and it's just, Oh, sorry. We just tore down the team around you. Well, here's the thing. And, and this is where I'm going to hold Nick crawl's feet to the fire on this, because I do think he is the fall guy. I do think that he's been told. And I think it goes back to the thing I said two years ago, Dick Williams read this writing on the wall. Clearly, Rick, he saw it coming. I'm just, I've said it. I'm going to stick by it. I've had people tell me that. And they've told me that over the last few days. And there's no doubt that that's what took place. But here's where I'm going to hold Nick Crawl's feet to the fire, even though he's kind of being made the fall guy for this. And I did find the, the quote from Karen Forges. And again, I don't want this to be an indictment on Karen because I like her personally. She comes on Local 12 a lot. She's got a great person. I, I love a lot of things about Karen. But they trotted her poor ass out there to make this comment. And she is, by the way, the Red Senior Vice President of Business Operations. Quote, even though these are the right baseball moves, it is tough for all of us emotionally. We share in the passion and high expectations of our fans and remain committed to fielding a team that makes Red's country proud. Okay, Nick Crawl, if, if that's now you, you're in charge of, and these are supposedly moves to avoid the peaks and valleys, guess what? I'm holding you accountable for the product on the field. You haven't called it. Or you want to tell me to my face and tell the fans we're rebuilding and you better strap it in for three to five years. I'm sorry, but you know we, we messed it up the last time. I was not in charge of the last rebuild. I'm in charge of this rebuild. You want to tell me that? I'm going to swallow hard and not like it, and I won't show up until you are fully rebuilt, and I think Reds fans won't either. But if you think these are the right baseball moves then okay, I'm holding your feet to the fire for a good product this year. How about I do that? Weren't we just talking about last year that it seemed like they were just waiting for the window to open up with Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green? Oh, yeah. And now you've just busted that. Like, what's the plan for Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green now? Well, that's why this is going to come BS. up and, and keep this thing moving around while you're in a rebuild? Yeah, that's why, that's why this is all BS. That's why this is all BS this is not a rebuild. Just be honest with people. And listen, they're not going to like it, but don't try to tell us to your face. We're going to be, nobody's buying, here's the thing. Nobody's buying your BS. Nobody's coming to your games this year or next year, or maybe the year after, if, especially if you don't get this right this time around. But, but my that's point is, you people. aren't those guys almost ready? Like, aren't they supposed to be up here this year or next at some point, be able yes. to make an impact? So now what's the plan with them while they're young? You're just going to waste that too? Jonathan India, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo. Got these guys. I mean, you didn't have to do a whole lot to put together a really exciting and potentially very competitive baseball team. Again, with a watered down playoffs that includes an extra spot. And, and what, by the way, still way under the competitive balance threshold. You'd still be way under it. It's not like you. Had, it's not like you're having to spend up to it. And that's one of the reasons why the Reds were one of the teams that obviously voted against even going to 220. They realized how much bigger the gap was going to be between them and the teams at the 220 level, now higher because of, of where it is in collective bargaining. They realized the gap is so wide 
that they can't compete. They're a man. Just honestly, I'm so, just sell it, old man. Yeah. Sell it. Get out from under. Sell it. I don't care who you sell it to. I know the fear is you sell it, and maybe you sell it to somebody who has outside interest that eventually moves the ball club. I'm willing to roll the dice on that. I'm great with that at this point. I, I, I'm be fine with that. I, I really could care less. I, I do not understand why people own teams and then worry about the money. The whole point of getting to the point in life where you can own a team is to not care about the money. You can't, you, you just do it to win. You can't care about the money when you're owning a team. And these guys are like, oh, uh, few, few, few less million last year. We're going to have to really tighten up, cut some payroll. It's like, what are we doing here? What sense well, does any of this make? And why are you in charge? I'm going to blame Biden for all this. If I can, can I blame him for this? Oh God, that'll go well. Yeah, sure. Supply chain issues. It's keeping all the lettuce and tomatoes on the dock somewhere in California. Yeah, it's it's it. it's a COVID and supply chain thing. Everything yes. is a COVID yes. and supply chain thing yes. at this yes, point. It is. I yes, could it not is. agree more with you on that. Uh, unfortunately, the Reds, the supply chain is the supply chain in the miners is very dry at the moment. There's the supply chain issue. Yeah. Well, last thing on this, Skinny. Is there any reason to be excited about anything they got back? Um, I, I, I'm drawing a blank on the left-handed pitching kid from 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 uh from seattle um i hear i got i'll find the trade here in just a second i'm drawing a total blank on the kid's name i'm not overly excited about the twins kid even though he throws triple digits he's got a funky delivery he's a high school pitcher who throws probably he's gonna overthrow and blow his arm out at some point i hate to say that now again there's been plenty of guys that blow their arms out and have tommy john and come back and they're perfectly fine and all those things um but uh yeah the the the, uh, i'm sorry it's uh it's the williamson kid uh brandon brandon yeah yeah, um, he's the number five prospect in the Mariners organization. Um, he was selected in the second round of the 2019 draft. He was last year between Class A and Double A, a 339 ERA in 19 starts. I think he probably projects more as a reliever, I would guess. But you know, if he's a he has a, another piece of your rotation, and, and again, if he pans out, and these are all ifs, right? If he pans out with Lodolo and Green, I mean, there's three fifths of a really good rotation. The young kid you were talking about from the Twins. Is was their number one pick last year, yes, correct? correct? Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's, you got a big young name in terms of a prospect there, but again, I watched you're talking Jim about Bowden a guy do, that got a good yeah, chance to ever Jim make Bowden it. do this year after year after year, take these high school arms that look like they were bolt, lightning bolts from the gods. And unfortunately that just doesn't pan out. I'd rather, again, I, I have a be- bigger belief that, that, that Nick Lodolo is going to be a far better pitcher than Hunter Green. I, I, I just, the high school arm that throws it like a rocket feels like it's more of a crapshoot than anything else. It's almost like drafting offensive lineman out of, out, instead of taking a proven, proven talent at the major league level. It just, it, it just worries me. Cause you're hanging your hat so much on the ifs and, and hopes and all those. That's not a plan, man. It's not. Now, well, they clearly don't really have a plan and have no, it for don't. a long time. So this has turned into a disaster. Uh, how how many times do you think you'll make it out to the ballpark this year, Skinny? Um, whenever somebody says, hey, I got an extra ticket, you want to go? Yeah, you probably have to convince me with a little more than that. Are you going to be like paying for all the beers while I'm there, too? Because a free ticket nope. isn't no, going to be enough for me to waste my day. No, I don't. I don't pay. I don't pay for uh, for beer up. I'm not paying for a nine dollar beer as much right. as I. And you, and you know me, I love beer. I'll drink at the. I'll drink at the Grail before. I'll sit there with a comfortable buzz, and I'll drink after. But I'm not paying nine dollars for a beer. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, I'm not going down there to waste three hours of my day in the sun to uh, not drink beers either. So yep, I'm. I'm just, I, I will not be going to the ballpark this year. And here's what sucks about all of that. I was actually kind of looking forward, even if they weren't going to be that good, to the idea of. 
got a little bit of a core in place. You got Jonathan India. You, you have a little something there. And we're getting close to that Nick Dole Hunter Green might have even seen him this year. That was an exciting reason to kind of pay attention to this team and say, hey, they should be good enough to scrape by in that sixth or fifth playoff spot. And if we get to see those young guys late in the year, that'd be great. And now it's just like, get me to football season. I can't wait for college football. I mean, we're in March Madness. We'll talk more about that later. But as soon as that's over, it's going to be get us to college football. And here's the here's the whole full circle of all of this, and we'll leave it at this. When fans don't go to the ballpark this year, and they won't, and I don't blame them. And if you go, listen, I don't want this to be a day. If you're a Reds fan and you're just excited, good for you. That's your. I'm not telling you you're stupid. I'm not telling you you shouldn't go. I'm not telling you you should boycott. You do you. But I think most people are going to do them, which is they're going to say, I'm not spending my money on an inferior product. Tell me when you're good. Show me when you're good, and I'll come. The big problem lies in this. When fans don't go to watch a bad product, then you're going to get the excuse moving forward. Well, we don't have the money to spend because fans don't come. <laughs> I mean, and then at what point then do you just go, guys, just honestly, get out from under. Find a way to get out from under. They've made money on the deal. They can sell at a big profit now. Now you got to find go. a you got to find a buyer. Don't get me wrong. There's, There's you got to find that too. There will be plenty out there. Move on. Yeah. All right. Speaking of moving on, let's do that ourselves and head over just really across the street or farther down the street, I should say. The Bengals lost a couple of players off of last year's Super Bowl team to free agency this week. Larry Ogunjobi signed with Chicago and CJ Uzama signed with the Jets. But unlike the Reds, there is some good news with the Bengals. The team signed Bucks guard Alex Kappa to a four-year, $40 million deal and Patriots guard center Ted Karras to a three-year, $18 million deal. What do you think of the Bengals' free agency moves so far, Skinny? So far, so good. Um, I think they're going to let the, the market settle a little bit, and we'll see where things go with the tackle position. Um, I, I thought they could address two of the three spots on the offensive line, and there's a potential still to address all three, meaning meaning center guard tackle. And, and even you know even the, the center, Ted Karras, played a lot of le- you know, primarily played left guard last year. And so if you decide to continue on with Trey Hopkins or decide to maybe find your center in the draft – or decide when the market settles to find maybe a, another center, maybe Bradley Bozeman, um, uh, maybe J.C. Treader, and and kick Karras to guard, then you really you would have identified all three spots on the interior. Um, and I'm okay with, with with that. If you you know, I'm not asking you to address it all. Um, and, and the fact that, and I wrote this actually. You know, they, they needed to re-sign one of the two between Ogunjobi and B.J. Hill. When you see Larry Ogunjobi's money, and good for him, he he signed this on a one-year prove-it deal with the Bengals. He proved it. He cashed in on it with the big contract in Chicago. I honestly don't think B.J. Hill is is too much of a of a downgrade from Larry Ogunjobi. That's not a knock on Larry. I thought B.J. Hill was great last year, and they needed to re-sign one of those two guys, and they did. And losing C.J. Uzama, I know he's a fan favorite. Um, I, I get all those things. Great, great locker room guy. He's just a guy. I mean, honestly, I, I totally of, agree, but he, he's just a guy. I, I totally agree with you there. I, I think they'll probably upgrade at the tight end position this offseason, if I had to guess. But do you worry at all that he was just such a good presence in the locker room no. to have around the guys that it mattered? No, uh, as long as number nine's in that locker room, I'm good. Fair enough. I, th- I think that's probably right. A couple of things about the two offensive linemen that they have added already. Both were top 25 in pro football focus at the position, which you may say, well, 
that doesn't necessarily sound good in the NFL. Like, but but with the guard position, you, you, there's two starters for every team, and then there's a bunch of other guys that are rotating in. And the Bengals didn't have any guys in the top 25 last year on their line. So that is a major upgrade. The second thing I love about this move is both of those guys are under 30. They're right in their prime. They're not real young. They've, they've been through the wars. They're experienced guys, but they're under 30. They're not at the end of the career. You've got a little bit of uh, a period here with them, and you signed both of them to three- and four-year deal. So you've got some time with these guys, and we'll be, get to grow and gel and, and build some chemistry there. The other two things that I really like about the way they play is, one, neither one of them look like they're just going to get bullied up the middle on a bull right, rush, right. which is obviously a big thing the Bengals talked about wanting to fix. And the second is they don't commit penalties, which is something that Zach Taylor has clearly made a priority with the guys he's added and the team in general in terms of their discipline. They've been great at that. But last year, their offensive line wasn't great at it. These two guys never get flagged. So I think they did a really good job of finding guys that fit who they are, the identity, the system, all of that stuff. It makes a ton of sense to add both of these guys. The other thing, both of them are winners. I mean, you know, both of them blocked at one point in their career for Tom Brady. Harris was in New England initially, went to Miami for a year, came back to New England last year. Um, you know, helped block for a rookie quarterback who, um, listen, again, he was a game manager to a large degree, but but they they put that kid in position to win some games and, and kept him pretty clean for the most part. And um, and, and Alex Kappa blocked for Tom Brady in, in, in Tampa Bay. This continues a the theme of when they're going to get free agents over the last few years, they're trying to find guys that come from winning stock. And yep. it's been a really good formula in that regard. It's bringing in more guys who know what it takes to make the playoffs, know what it takes to be a pro to make the playoffs. I think that's a big positive too. One thing where you usually feel pretty good about their talent evaluation with the Patriots is the offensive line. I mean, they're almost always solid up front. They don't really get guys that can't play. So that makes you feel good. And that point about them having both played for Brady and them both wanting to sign right away with the Cincinnati Bengals and block for Joe Burrow is fascinating to me. Maybe it's just a good opportunity, but I have to imagine that goes into their calculus a little bit. And by the way, Brady called Karras and wanted, or Brady called uh, Kappa, Kappa and wanted yeah. him to come back this year. Yep. He asked him to come back and Kappa was like, eh, I don't know. I might yeah, just no, go I, play for this Burrow kid instead. Yeah, no, I I think it's I think it's a win-win and I do think there's going to be enough money left over to, to still address the tackle position in some way, shape, or form. Well, and that's the other thing that you got to point out. It feels kind of similar to what they did at the cornerback position a year ago, does it not? Right. Where yeah. they were able to get two guys for almost the price of one in William Jackson? And that's where you kind of let the market settle. I know everybody loves the big names, the Teron Armsteads, and oh my gosh, Stephon Gilmore still out there. And No, no, no. I mean, it's nice you can get one or two of those guys, but if you can get me five or six of those guys to fill needs, I'd rather do that. Especially when you... You know, you don't have gaping holes. You've got holes, and they filled a couple of them. And again, it would be really, really nice to go get maybe an upgrade to Riley Reef and let Riley Reef maybe come back on a one-year deal and and be kind of a a, a depth piece. You know, the other part too, Rick, and, and I don't want to want to crap on this. You know, Alex Kappa played only six games as a rookie. He was probably lost, had swimming. He was a a, a mid-round draft pick, um, and and really wasn't counted on highly. And developed into a starting guard in the league that just got paid and played on, obviously, a Super Bowl champion. So he's, he's capable for that. You know, you still got some depth pieces that we don't know a ton about still. I know we all crap on Jackson Carmen. I understand that. But listen, rookie, had swimming, you know, had to move positions. You know, maybe they kick him back out to tackle. Maybe he develops into a quality guard and Karras plays center. I mean, there's still a lot of those factors in play, too. The good part is you don't have to all of a sudden look up on July 23rd and go, 
oh boy, we're going to have to put a Jenny G back at right guard. And eh, well, I guess we're just going to have to throw Jackson back in there at left guard and hope. No, now you got to have these guys compete, see if they can get better. And if they do, every man for himself. Right. Yeah, I, I, I really, really like both of those moves. And there's still plenty of money and time to make yes. another move or two here, too. That's the great thing about it. I think they did a really good job of making sure, okay, we got a couple guys. We're stabilizing this thing already. And now if we can we can add another big piece or or even just a, a depth piece, it's going to really make a big difference this year going into the season. And, uh, I mean, obviously I'm interested to see what they do at tight end still. Is there anything else that you could see them addressing in free agency aside from just offensive line? Yeah, the corner the corner piece. I think they let the market settle a little bit, um, find find a, 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 a corner. Um, honestly, maybe even bring back Eli Apple. And then I, I did a, my first mock draft last week, and I had him taking – a corner in the first round that you could plug in and probably start right away. Although I, a lot of mock drafts have, it's Kair Elm from, from Florida. A lot of mock drafts um, had of him gone by the time the Bengals pick, but I, I do think they address that position too. So yeah, I mean, right now, Rick, you're, you're really thin with guys under contract. I forgot they re-signed Jalen Davis and I, I missed that in a story I wrote, but you know, really they got Chidobia Awuzie, Mike Hilton, Jalen Davis, and then practice squad corner, John Brain are the only corners under contract. So they still have to address that in free agency and the draft. Anything else here to hit on with the Bengals in this offseason before we move no, on? No, I, I know people March are going to start. Yeah, I know people are going to start panicking if the Bengals don't do something here in the next day or two or whatever. Um, they 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 identified two guys right away they wanted. They identified we're going to get one of our two tackles back. Ogan Joby priced himself out. I do think they overpaid a little bit for BJ Hill, but okay, that's fine. If, if if you still think that that's what you think your own guys worth, and they do love their own guys, they've even admitted that. Sometimes we fall in love with our own guys in the building. I'm fine with with that too. Um, don't 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 panic. They've they've shown the last two off seasons they're starting to do it the right way. It took them a long time to get to this point, but the last two off seasons, now the third off season, they've done it the right way. I'm going to trust the process at this point. All right, Skinny, it is finally time to talk about what I really wanted to talk about <laughs> on this podcast, which is college basketball. UC is done. NKU is done. Xavier's still alive in the NIT and just won their first round game on Tuesday night. And Kentucky is a two seed in the NCAA tournament and will play on Thursday night. Let's start with Xavier. The Musketeers beat Cleveland State 72-68. They never led by more than five and they trailed at the eight minute mark. What did you make of Vexu's first round NIT win and just the Musketeers playing in the NIT in general? I mean, good for, I guess, the players to find a way to win that game because when they were down in the second half, I thought, yep, they've cashed it in. And it looked very similar to the way the whole season had played itself out, and it would have been almost an appropriate way to go out. But again, good for the players that they they cared enough to come back and win that game and all of that. But, Rick, here's the biggest part, and this is the biggest elephant in the room, right, is the future of Travis Steele. And and I'm going to ask you, I guess, why would you accept this bid? What's the end game for accepting this bid if you are not bringing Travis Steele back? Well, that's a good question. I think the biggest thing is they're clearly not in a rush to fire Travis Steele. So if there was any type of move that was going to be made this offseason, I think it's clear that two things are going on. One, there's going to be some type of process to that. It's it's not going to be a rash decision. They're waiting to have more conversations with board members and a new president or something of that nature. But Sean Miller's waiting in the wings. Well, that's the other bigger elephant in the room is what if this whole situation is, yeah, we've got the exact guy we want. 
and we know who he is. We know where he is. We know what's going on here. We just need a few more morsels of information from the NCAA to uh, uh, make essentially make us feel better about being able to do this based on the sanctions that are hanging over his head. I mean, they have gotten some more clarity recently, given the, the notice allegations for both Will Wade and Sean Miller. And it doesn't seem like Sean Miller is unhirable by, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, most people believe, based on what he's been charged with by the NCAA, that worst case scenario, you're talking about maybe a suspension of a couple of games, maybe a handful of games, which really isn't the end of the world. It'd be a bad PR look for, for any team, but it's something you could get over pretty quickly. So what if at the end of the day, their move is, yeah, we just can't hire Sean just quite yet. There's a few more things that have to take place. We need a few assurances from the NCAA, whatever. But ultimately, that's our goal. We're not we're not doing this so we can hire Dennis Gates from Cleveland State or whatever the other mid-major flavor of the week is. We know exactly who we want. We think we can get him because almost anyone that knows Sean Miller will tell you he loved Xavier, he loved Cincinnati, and he is interested in coming back to that job. If that's the move that they're making and why they're playing it out this way, I don't think anyone would have a problem with that if they're a Xavier fan. Now, the problem is you have no idea if that's really right, what's right. going on here. And you just, I guess that's my thing is I think there's a difference between having a plan in place to replace Travis Steele and feeling like you're upgraded versus just we got to get rid of him for the sake of getting rid of him and let's grab whoever the next mid-major guy is. Because there are years where there are some really good names out there available and you know they, they got to take a job right now because they just had their best team and guys are graduating so you know you have a really good shot to get that guy this doesn't feel like one of those years there are a bunch of sec jobs already open yeah there are and there aren't clear candidates for those jobs so where do you think Xavier's going to shake out in all of that they're going to get like fourth fifth choice in some of these jobs they're not paying three to four million, like most of these SEC schools are going to pay to a mid-major coach getting their first big-time job. So where does that leave them? You know, I just don't know if it's enough to warrant making a rash decision on Travis Steele. That's fair. Let me ask this, though. Let's say that is the plan of attack. And it's, there's, some, there's plausibility. There's logic to that. And I know the end goal is not winning the NIT, but what if they go and win the NIT? Do you really fire him after that? That's a good question. I don't think so. No. Um, I mean, yeah. But based on what I saw last night, I don't think they're in any danger of winning I'm, the NIT, I'm, but you're right. I'm I mean, no who knows? Here. I mean, they're as talented no as anyone here. in the tournament, I would say. Yeah. I was going to say, it's not like, it's not like you got Gonzaga in this tournament, dude. They weren't invited, but yeah, I, you're right. Yeah. No, that's my, <laughs> it's the I mean, national it's, invitational and look, Gonzaga just wasn't invited. So yeah, it's a very right, exclusive right. deal. It's a good point. You're right. I feel, yeah. I, that's, that's, a, that's a really good call. Um, I, here's the other part to the Sean Miller component. What what if in their mind it is, hey, we don't want to make make a rash decision. We are going to wait a little bit of time. What if it's even, we may have to wait for another full season and see how this plays out? Well, I, I think that's a very legit possibility. That that could be it too. It's like, hey, we, we, we know who our guy is still. We want to make a move, but it's just not possible right now. And we feel better off waiting for that to play out and making a move a year from now, if that's what it comes down to, versus doing it right now and not knowing what the plan is. I think that's the one thing that a lot of Xavier fans miss. While this sucks and no one wants to miss the tournament year after year at Xavier and everyone understands that's well below the standard and everything, Xavier isn't a doormat in the Big East right now. They've been very competitive. That's right. In that's the right. Big East, 
when you finish sixth, seventh, eighth, you're usually a game or two out of second or third place. I mean, a lot of these teams finish right around 500. If you're one or two games under 500 in the Big East, that can drop you from the difference of being third, fourth, or fifth to seventh or eighth. And that's kind of where Xavier's found themselves the last couple of years. We're not under 500 for the season overall. It's not, they missed the tournament by five games. I mean, each of these years, it's come down to like one or two games. They need to find a way to win at the end and they can't do it. And I know everyone wants to be more than just sneaking into the tournament with a 10 or 11 seed. But in reality, you can do a lot worse than Travis Steele right now. That's one thing that I think a lot of people are missing. It's It's not a guarantee that some guy with no high major experience steps in and it's just magically better than Travis Steele. It's hard to put together a roster at the high major level. It's hard to recruit at the high major level and build something without just flipping it over in the transfer portal constantly. So I don't think Travis Steele has gotten the roster right yet since he's been here. But I also don't think that means a guy who's the youngest coach in the Big East still and the second least experienced coach in the Big East still can't figure that out over the course of another year or two. I do think one thing that he absolutely has to do, no matter what this offseason, is make this roster look different. Yes. Assuming he's still the head coach, it cannot be the same looking team as it was the last two years. No question. No question. All right, Skinny, let's move on from Xavier. because That's enough NIT talk for both of us, I think. (laughs) Uh, Let's get into the NCAA tournament. I don't want to break down the bracket overall or anything like that, but let's do this. Why don't you give me your final four picks and also a dark horse candidate in each region? Okay, I can do that. Uh, by the way, if, if anybody wants to see a bracket breakdown, I did break the whole bracket down on local12.com. I did it region by region. I did my reasons why I made the picks. And uh, again, uh, my reasons aren't uh, um, aren't etched in stone, but I try to put some logic behind most of, of my selections. So my final four selections are the following, Rick. Gonzaga from the West, Kentucky from the East, Arizona from the South, and from the Midwest, Wisconsin. Okay, okay. So to me, the Midwest and the South are the two more interesting regions. South is a beast. It is. I've got, again, well, I I don't know if it's a beast. I think it's the most interesting because there, there's not a clear top team. All right, Rick, let, let, let me give you some numbers. You're a numbers guy. In the South, via Kempom. Arizona is number two overall in the country. Yeah. Houston is number four. Tennessee is number seven. Villanova is number 11. And Illinois is number 17. I I get that. I get all of that. I would also add Arizona might be out without one of the top players. Yep. Villanova, I think you'll agree with me, as good as they've been over the last however many years, this is the most beatable Villanova team we've seen in that group, and they have a glaring weakness at the center position. Tennessee is Tennessee, man. They can't score. They can't score. Yeah, I can see them winning games. It's hard for me to see them making a Final Four run. Illinois under Brad Underwood, you trust them in in this situation to make a run? I don't. I don't. Two two monsterly talented cats on their team. I get that, and I understand why you like them, but I've got Houston coming out of this region. Well, again, like I said, that's why it's a beast. Yeah, I, I guess it's uh, we're playing semantics here on the wording, but I think there's four or five teams that could come out of that region. Whereas yes, Arizona, Nova, Tennessee, Illinois, Houston, five teams could come out of it. Yeah, but to me, that's because there isn't a clear great team at the top. Arizona looks really good, but I'm a little concerned about the injury situation. Um, Gonzaga, I don't. To me, it's the clear cut leader in the West. Kentucky, love them in the East. 
Love the draw. Yeah. And then in the Midwest, I've got Auburn. I just don't, you know, the optics of the of the Texas A&M loss is what's going to stick with me, and I'm going to probably be wrong on that. They just look like they decided it was a day to chuck it up, and I fear they're going to have that moment in the NCAA tournament where they just don't make. Now, they've got a, a supreme talent in Jabari Smith who's going to probably be the number one overall pick in the country. The metrics are really good. There's a lot of things to love about them. Um, I, I, they just, they, they feel like a team that's going to have one of those days where you go, yeah, six for thirty-seven. That's what cost them. Uh, I could, I could see that because they don't shoot it very well. That is kind of their weakness. But they, it's not like they don't have guys who can shoot. In fact, Jabari Smith is maybe one of the most electrifying shooters in the country. He's shooting like forty-five percent, or a little less, probably like forty-four percent on a bunch of attempts, and he takes some really tough shots off the dribble. He's, and he's, a, he's a poor man's dude. He's Kevin a poor Durant. man's Kevin Durant. He's one, a poor it, man's Kevin Durant. Exactly right. That's who he reminds me of too. So. That's the one thing about the whole shoot thing. I get where you're coming from, but it's not like they can't shoot at all. The thing that really worries me about them is they have some shaky guard play at times. And that that is a concern. But they have the best shot blocker in the country in Walker Kessler. Jabari Smith is unbelievable and going to be a high lottery pick, like you said. And Wendell Green, he can be fun off the bench. He can make plays. He can make some shots. But he is a little erratic at times. I'll definitely admit that. I don't know. I, I I like Auburn there in the Midwest. I also I, it's a good I also pick. really like the fact that they're plus twelve hundred as a championship pick too. So and, I think like, I think like, Bruce Pearl can really coach. Yeah, I was gonna say that's what I was literally gonna say. Like him or not, and he's certainly a polarizing guy. Dude can coach. Totally agree. All right, let's go through a dark horse in each region. You got another team that you think has a chance that maybe isn't you know a top two seed. Uh, yeah, let me let me go region by region here. Let me go down to let me. I'm going to start from the top from the west. Believe it or not, I don't think they're a dark horse. Well, yeah, I guess I, I I guess what the definition of a dark horse is I in, in the west. Think, it's anybody that's not Gonzaga. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I like UConn's potential. I know really? they have to get through Gonzaga, but the point being, you get through Gonzaga. I think they're as good, if not better, than Duke. So that's really funny because they are the only five seed that I really don't like in this tournament. I love all the five seeds in this tournament except for UConn. I mean, so honestly, that's fascinating. I, Gonzaga, believe it or not, is going to have to go through some talented teams. Now, they got flaws, but they'd have to go through potentially a, a really talented Memphis team in round two. Then or, by the way, even, even Boise State would be kind of like an right. interesting matchup right. for them, too. They're not right. bad. Right. Um you know, the other part of it, believe it or not, I got Notre Dame beating Alabama for the same reasons as the Auburn thing. They just chuck so many threes, and they just feel like a team that's got a chance to gag away a game because they don't make make shots. Um, that other part of the bracket, I just don't love anybody, and it feels like if I, I'd probably sleep on Texas Tech, and, and I, but again, they don't, they're not very dynamic offensively. You know, Duke feels like it's got an easy road there, but they seem so flawed down the stretch, and they don't guard a soul that I've got them going to the regional championship game there almost by default. But if it is UConn from the top, I think UConn beats Duke. Yeah, Duke uh, as a two seed would be a tough sell as, as a dark horse, obviously. And I don't really think Duke is a two seed. I'll be honest. I think they're getting a little bit of a hookup agreed. there. No, for Coach K's last year. I don't really. I mean, it's Duke, so they always get a little bit of a hookup. It should have been Tennessee. It should have been Tennessee. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, so I would go... You mentioned them, and their offense really does concern me. But this Texas Tech team, they're playing pretty well. I mean, they lost to Kansas in the Big 12 tournament. But prior to that, I thought they were playing pretty 
pretty well. And they're the best defensive team in the country, according to Ken Palm. And I will so, say their draw, their draw is not very hard. That's I would agree. That's the one thing you got to like about a Montana State, likely Alabama, which, as you mentioned, can be a little bit of a crapshoot. And then you get Duke if they're not upset by that point, which I think Duke is a big-time candidate to get upset really in every round. I, I, they, they are, but, but they're not going to get upset by Cal State Fullerton, for goodness sakes. And then Michigan State is so flawed that to the point of I've seen a lot of people with the chic pick of Davidson to beat them in the first round. And do I really think Davidson beats Duke? I just I just don't. Duke has five first – well, definitely draft picks, probably five first-round right. picks on this team. They're incredibly talented, but they just don't seem like they've put it together. And they don't and guard. They don't guard. And – yeah, I don't know. They are out West, which Coach K always seems to struggle with. And what if they do have to face Izzo in that second round? I mean, I know this Michigan State team stinks, but, well, but don't it's forget, still Izzo in March, man. Yeah, don't don't forget, though, facing Izzo in the second round, they're playing that in Greenville, so they're not technically out West at that point. Fair enough. It's a good point. All right, what about in the East region? Who do you like there? All right, so you're looking for a dark horse out yeah. of the East? Potential Man, dark I, horse. I, so funny. I went chalky all the way through the – the. I, I went chalky um, up until the regional semis there with Baylor, UCLA, Purdue, and Kentucky. I, I think what a dark horse I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Indiana. They're playing pretty well right now. They are. I mean, they, they seem like they've got the right pace. They've got a guy that is proving to be almost unguardable when he gets his touches in the post, and actually when he's got a bigger, thicker center – Taking him off the elbow to the off the bounce and Trace Jackson Davis. Everybody else is filling a nice little role for them. You know, they they are five and five in their last ten, Rick, after last night's win over Wyoming. But of the five losses, four were by a combined 13 points to teams that are in the NCAA tournament. The other is in overtime to a team that's in the NCAA tournament in Ohio State. They're actually playing really well right now. Again, we're talking dark horse, mind you. I do like I like two double digit seeds in there. I like Indiana, I like Virginia Tech to maybe make a little bit of a run. I don't think it's gonna be a a big run because I think they're going to stumble against Kentucky if they get to that point. But I could see two two double digit seeds going deep into this this region. Yeah, the Rutgers home loss at the end of the regular season was not great for Indiana. No. But I think a lot of people were out on them after they had that five game losing stretch in February. But you got to look at who they were playing there. It's like you're playing. Wisconsin. You're playing at Michigan State, who's not great this year, but they're still in the tournament. It's still Michigan State at Michigan State. Uh, yeah, they lost at Northwestern, which isn't good, but it's on the road in the Big Ten. And then the Illinois loss and the overtime Ohio State loss that you mentioned. It not, it's not, you don't want to lose five games in, the ro- in a row, obviously, but I think you do have to look at the bear that is the Big Ten schedule and who they played during that stretch. And the fact that they beat Michigan and Illinois in the conference tournament was a good look, and they, they looked pretty good against Wyoming as well. So Trace Jackson Davis is firmly carrying this team on his back right now, and I, I think he gives them a chance too. I, I like that. My team, as I mentioned, I love all the fives. I'm interested in seeing what St. Mary's can do, quite honestly, because they, they really guard you. They slow it down. I could see them giving a Mick Cronin team trouble. Yeah, the, the one thing um, about St. Mary's is, and their Ken Palm's pretty good. Um, they have a win over Gonzaga. Uh, you know, they, they did lose on a neutral to Wisconsin non-league, which was probably their toughest non-league. Sometimes I just wonder if are some of those numbers for them, and maybe even Gonzaga, although they played a better non-conference schedule, are some of those numbers inflated in such a, a bottom-heavy league? I mean, they are. listen, 
San Francisco is really good in that league. Santa Clara is pretty good in that league. BYU is pretty good in that league. Obviously, Gonzaga and St. Mary's. But boy, you get to the bottom in the Portlands of the world. Their bottom three teams in that league won a seven combined league games, and they beat each other up. They didn't even come close to the rest. That's what worries me a little bit about St. Mary's. And they're they're not great offensively. Yeah, WCC and the American are both that way. And uh, like, if you look at Houston's metrics, they're the same way. They're right. off the charts. They're tenth right. in offensive right. efficiency, eleventh in defensive efficiency. But it. And yes, the strength of schedule aspect is built into Ken Palm, all that. It doesn't matter. If you're just constantly smacking the hell out of some of the teams in your conference, you're still going to be able to manipulate the metrics a little bit. It's a, We saw it with UC for a little bit there in the American when they really had it rolling. It's like they, their metrics were clearly a little overinflated. You're seeing the same thing with Houston right now, who who I think Houston's really good. I do too, I so still do I know that they're top 10 in both offense and defense essentially. So um, yeah, I already mentioned, I, I, I like those five seeds. So we'll, we'll keep it rolling there in the Midwest. I like Iowa. I do too. I, I that's a good pick, Rick. I, I, I've got them going to the round of 16, losing to Kansas, but I can certainly make a case for them beating Kansas. And it's not just because the old, they're playing really well right now. They got shooters. They are playing really well right now. They're a good team. Um, it's hard for me to root for Fran McCaffrey because he's such a jackass. But it's not a matter of rooting. It's a matter of picking here, right? Um, I, I do. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I could certainly see them beating Kansas uh, for sure. I do like the scary team. I know it's a chic scary team, but but when you shoot 46% from three and you haven't lost in a month of Sundays, I know you play in a crap league. South Dakota State's really interesting to me. Not to get out of the region, but to be that team where you look up and go, hey, they made it to the second weekend, and man, they're scary. Well, especially when the huge narrative right now is, Providence is lucky and didn't yes. deserve to, yes. to be a four seed and all that stuff. It's that is definitely a good first round matchup, but you, you go back to Iowa real quick at the thing against about that. Everyone has against Iowa is they can't defend. Well, they just won four games in the course of the week in the big 10 tournament. And they held Purdue to 66 points in the championship. Game. Last year's Iowa team couldn't defend. didn't defend. Wouldn't defend. This one gives up points because of the pace of play. Cause this team also scores points. Yeah. They're 78th in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. But again, it's I wouldn't look at the entire season here with Iowa if I'm making that pick. I'm more right. so saying I think they're really hot right now, and they're getting it done defensively a little more than they were earlier in the year, too. And the run they made for the Big Ten tournament was impressive. I don't put a ton of stock into to tournament conference tournaments, but... I like Iowa as a dark horse here as the five seed. Yeah, real and real quick to back up your point even further, Rick. I, I, I listen. God love Richmond is a great story um, for for Chris Mooney after seventeen years to get them back to the tournament, and he was kind of on the hot seat, and and you could see the emotion in his his wife and kids' eyes in that A ten championship game. But they got in only because they won their conference tournament. It's not a great team. It's a great matchup there. I already said I think South Dakota State is that kind of really sleepy team at 13. Providence has had luck. They're number one in Ken Palm luck factor. They're only number 49 overall. Even if Providence beats South Dakota State, I think Iowa's better. So it's it's, it's almost pretty easy for me to pencil Iowa out to the 16 line and then go, all right, playing really well, continuing their hot streak. They can beat Kansas. Right. And then like, like you're saying, okay, what if it's Auburn and Iowa in that game and you're getting right. up and down where Auburn's breaking threes left and right and letting Iowa run right. up a bunch of points and get out to a 20-point lead in the first half or something. Could easily see that playing out. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Iowa has a chance. Let's go up to the south. I already mentioned that I really like Houston. So, in this case, I think Houston kind of would be the dark horse. Yeah. I I guess the other team here, if you want me to give one that 
it would be more of a favorite that I, I like it. I like Villanova's pass. I, I path. I just think the bottom half of this region is, is wide open. I get your thoughts on Tennessee and probably come next weekend or next week when we do this podcast, I'm going to probably say, Rick, you were dead right. Tennessee is what we thought they were, but dude, it's, it's, it's Longwood and Colorado state, Michigan. Really? Oh, I agree. It's a great draw for Tennessee, a great draw, but it's, it's Rick Barnes. It's Tennessee's offense. It's, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I, I got, are, They're I got playing them. well right now, though. I will say they are playing well. They should have been a two seed. Yeah, I got them playing Arizona in the regional championship game with Arizona winning. So I, I I don't know if I can call a three-seeded dark horse. I'm with you on Houston. I've got them advancing to the round of 16 to play Arizona. And if the injury factor still continues in Houston, listen, Houston's done this, right? They've done this just last year. They 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 And they're really, really good on both ends of the floor by the metrics. Again, we can argue the whole American thing. I think that point was argued last year about them a little bit, right? And lo and behold, there they were, continued to move on. I think that makes them really dangerous. I, like I said, this is this region to me is the toughest, and there's not even a close second. Yeah, because, I mean, they have legit dudes. They, they've got bullies on their team. they got big, physical, strong, tough guys. Could you imagine if they weren't missing two of their top players to injury, season-ending injuries? Yeah. I mean, think Probably about right. what they've done without Marcus Sasser. I mean, it's it's crazy. So, and really, Rick, not to, not to play this completely out because you can get it on every match and go. Well, I give you a case why they beat them and why they. I mean, honestly, Seton Hall runs really good stuff. I'm not so sure that they don't don't give Arizona a good game in in round two. Yeah, especially if Kerr's not back. Yeah. So, all right, Skinny. Um, what about the first round matchup you're most looking forward to? Right, not not by region, just in general. The whole tournament. What's the first round matchup that you're really looking? Well, to? I mentioned Providence, South Dakota State. That's, I'm really that's the one I've got. That's uh, the one I've got. I think it's, it's a fascinating just, game because you know South Dakota State uh, metrically they're 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 pretty good, believe it or not. Um, as I mentioned, they shoot forty six or I'm sorry, forty five percent, forty four point nine, forty five percent on threes, and they take a good chunk of those. I you could also argue well if that's what you're relying on. Well, that's what you're relying on, and you make go for it, man. Um, the Providence luck factor is real, Rick. In fact, I've got the numbers broken down. They won five games inside the Big East by four points or less, three others in overtime, and another by five points. Now, I also will tell you, that tells me that's a pretty mentally tough team that knows how to win games. But there's also an element of luck to some of that too, right? Definitely. And I, I mean, I, I'm actually picking this Providence team to win this game, and I'm I don't think they're a great team, but I also think people are way too on the other side of they don't deserve it. It's all luck and all that stuff. I think they are a decent team. I'm going to have them losing to Iowa in the second round because I just think Iowa's better, but I'm going to pick Providence. I'm actually going to pick them to cover in the South Dakota state game, but I can't wait to have it. it? Right, exactly. And I just think that's a a really favorable line for a a four versus a 13. But again, I, I, I got to see this game. Um, th- that's the one I've got circled that I'm really looking forward to in the first round. Is there a best bet in the first round that you really like? Um, I got to look at the line. I just got the lines this morning to look at. I like Michigan against Colorado State, actually. I think that's a two and a half point line, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Michigan's a two and a half point favorite. I love them. I love Memphis laying two and a half, Rick. Against Boise. I, I like both of those. I can see both of those. The Memphis-Boise um, State game is tough for me because I can see that going either way, but Memphis is really talented. Yeah, right, exactly. And again, I don't want to go too chalky. I've given two favorites out, but Iowa only tend to Richmond the way Iowa's playing. Now, you could also go, well, it's Iowa, and they can get the pucker. You know what? I don't think so. I 
Keegan Murray's too good of a shooter. They got too many shooters, too many scorers. Uh, um, again, Richmond, I don't want to call them lucky. Hey, you won your conference tournament. You got in. Good for you, but they wouldn't have been in otherwise. That line seems like it should be in the 12 and a half to 13 point range to me. I agree. I, I agree with that one. I like that one. So here's the, this is kind of along those same lines, but I'll take and it. I'll give you one more. I'll give you, I'll, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you one more. I like Vermont getting five against Arkansas. I, watching them, the eyeball test. I know they played Maryland, Baltimore County, but man, they, 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 they're really good offensively. Arkansas don't shoot it. Great. 30.8 on threes. They can go through dry spells. I'm getting five. I could feel a backdoor cover. And I believe it or not, I actually picked Vermont to win this game on the on the local 12 thing I did. So I'm going to take Vermont plus the five. Well, in Vermont, with the whole COVID situation, they're super, super experienced. They've got a really veteran yes. roster there, too. So uh, something to look at for sure. I, I will take another big favorite. You were talking about that Iowa spread. I like Auburn minus 15 and a half over Jacksonville State. Remember, Jacksonville State shouldn't lost in. in the semifinals of the A Sun. They shouldn't be here. And wait a minute, explain to people because there may be some people that go, "Wait a minute, how how did that happen?" They were the ones who lost to Bellarmine in the semifinals. Oh. Bellarmine went on to win the A Sun championship, and they great. don't take the runner up. They take the team that Bellarmine beat in the semifinals. So you've got a Jacksonville State team that did. I mean, they had an okay year, twenty-one and ten. Yeah, they lost ten games, and uh, they're just not very impressive for an NCAA tournament team, even as a 15 seed. And as we talked about Auburn, uh, by the way, they Jacksonville state can't really shoot from the outside. So you, you're going to try to score inside on Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler <laughs> while Auburn's running up and down the floor on you. Yeah. I think that one could get very ugly. I like that to be at least 20 points. Yeah. Good call. All right. Uh, one more thing here. I don't know if you uh, have looked at championship futures at all. But from a betting perspective, there were a few futures that I've got my eye on. It's all teams that I've got in the the final four right now that we mentioned. Kentucky is plus eight hundred. That's the third best uh, or third lowest odds. Um, I, I like them as a flyer at plus eight hundred, eight to one odds. I think that's pretty good. Houston, which I mentioned I have in the final four, is the most intriguing value pick that I have. They're twenty eight to one odds, thirteenth yeah, lowest odds. And again, I, I think they can come out of that South bracket. It would not surprise me at all if they're in the final four again. And then I mentioned Auburn is 12 to one odds. That, that, that's the fifth lowest odds. So those three, uh, I think I might, might sprinkle all of those. Yeah, I think I told you um, the ones I was making before the tournament started, I, I made a, a future on Memphis. I made a future on Houston. I made a future on Illinois. I made a future on Wisconsin. And I made a future on Arizona all for 20 bucks. I'm going to stick with it. What's Arizona now? That I got Arizona at five and a half to one. Basically, I'll, I'll get my money back if Arizona wins it. Arizona is plus 650. Yeah, I was going to go make, back, believe it or not, make a play on uh, on UCLA. I just don't like their draw. I don't either. They're 18 to one odds right now. Uh, they're right behind Duke, in between Duke and Purdue in terms of where they sit based on Vegas's odds. So, uh, I yeah, I mean, you, you know how I feel about UCLA I'm, winning I'm, things. I'm, I, I think I'm they noting. shot their wad last year. So I'm uh, I do think they're pretty damn good. Yeah, they're solid. They're solid. Um, I don't think they're in final four good, but I think they're uh, definitely second weekend of the tournament type team. Yeah, I, I got them. Go, I got them going to the regional final in the bracket. I picks losing to Kentucky. I think I had Kentucky and Baylor, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. I mean, I'm not a big bracket guy. I don't really fill out the bracket. I kind of do I'm this no, stuff yeah. because people ask me 15 different times, what's your final four on different, you know, you'd go to do a radio hit. 
And they're like, hey, come on and talk about Xavier and NKU. It's like, okay, no problem. I'm thinking we're talking about the NIT. And then it's like, hey, what's your final four? It's like, I guess I should have you thought go, about that. Uh, it's, it's Dayton and it's Colorado State. or Colorado, I've got Vandy. Which it's lost. Actually, Colorado lost last night. Yeah, Vandy and Oklahoma. There you go. There you go. All right, let's get into some Ask Any Anything, unless you have any more uh, March Madness topics you want to hit on here. No, I, I, I get in a couple. You know, I do brackets like everybody else does. I usually do. Mo- I don't play many bracket games with, with friends and family and all that. The, the pools I play in, I, I do the ESPN, the CBS brackets. They're easy to fill out because you just do them online. You can do a thousand of them in various ways. Shapes them. And really, you're just playing the lottery at that point. But but I love a couple of pools. I love um, – my buddy does a, a pick em pool where you have to pick every game against the spread. So he puts the lines out the day before. So we literally have to play 63 games, put money in the pot, kind of a winner take all, which I, I enjoy that. Um, I, I, I enjoy, don't like, I don't like that because I don't, I can't keep track of what I need. I know, you but know it's what just, you it, need until and the rounds over. And it's like, well, that wasn't any fun to root for. I'd rather just yeah, bet on the individual spreads and know what I need at the, in the moment. Yeah. He does a good job of updating it every day. So you know, at least where you kind of stand going into the next day's picks, et cetera. Yeah, um, and it just, it, it does, it lets you, it lets you kind of sweat out. I do like, I mean, uh, uh, he, he also runs a five player pool where you pick any five players and their total points add up. And, and it's kind of a strategic thing to kind of mix and match, you know, how as soon as a guy's eliminated, he's off your team. Another guy I've got, we do a similar thing. We pick uh, eight players. I think about them, seven, me, pick seven players. Yeah, yeah. You're in that pool. Yep. That's the one you like the, yeah, you pick seven players and again, same format, but what you do in this one is it's really strategic. Because you got to kind of gauge guys going out, but you're also playing head to head with somebody that, hey, you may have all your guys advancing, but if the guy outscored you and maybe even had a guy get lost, doesn't matter. He advances. So there's a lot of strategy to that yeah. one. You're it's, in that one too, right? Yeah, it's 68 people get in it. So you've got a full bracket, or 64 right. people 64. get in it. You yeah. got a full bracket and you play head to head each round. So you don't have to have the highest score each round, just right. got to beat the person you're going up against. But yeah, it, it creates some interesting strategy situations and then some heartbreaking days where, you know, like second highest scorer in the entire weekend, but the guy you had, you were playing against was first. So, I, don't know you know. In, I don't know if you're in his other bracket, Rick, and you may not be because this is kind of a legacy bracket that he gives people first dibs that have been in it for a while. You get, it's same thing. It's a bracket style format. You get for 20 bucks, you get two teams and it's a spread bracket. So you, your team in round one, let's just say I've got Auburn in round one. I tell you what, let me let me do a different example. I've got do do do. Let me figure out a dog. Uh, right, let's say I somehow drew St. Peter's against Kentucky, right? I get St. Peter's plus the number. If St. Peter's wins, that that means I advance, but then I pick up Kentucky as a team because Kentucky advances. Right. See what I'm doing there? Yep. So yep. you, you kind of get that as you're going through. So I kind of like like that as you go. Yeah, I've seen those brackets. I don't do any of the like put your bracket in. 10 bucks, whatever, you know, put your bracket in and see right. how many points you get and win. I never fill out a bracket like that. So uh, I haven't done it in probably 10 years. In fact, the point he made last year is I didn't realize the person who won that pool last year had a 16 seed in round one that covered against Baylor, then got Baylor the rest of the way and Baylor covered its final five games. That person won. Right. All right, let's get into some ask any anything here. We've got some sports topic and then we got a great personal story to finish oh, off with to oh get your boy. thoughts on. Oh boy. Um, someone would like your thoughts on fans going to sporting events with paper bags on their head. Yeah. I, I used to think that was cute when I was younger. I, I just don't know what's the, what, why spend the money to do that? If you, if to me, if, if you're that despondent and I know maybe if you're a season ticket or I get, you've already spent the money and that's your way to, 
to protest. Maybe I'll give you that one. But if you're buying a ticket to just go do that, then why bother to buy the ticket? Yeah. If, if you really want to make your presence felt or not felt, don't show up. Yeah. Like, and even I, if you I have, can I tell just, you from experience last night, Centos Center with 3,000 or 2,000 people in it. If, sent if the message sent the message, if 2000, but yes, that's the message. Yeah. All right. Also, Troy wants to know what are the top five days on the sports calendar for you, skinny? Um, Kentucky Derby day is, is way up there. Um, maybe it's the Kentucky Emmy, but I'm also a horse racing fan. So that's way up there. Um, the, the first Thursday, of the tournament, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm so goofy. I watched both games last night from, from tip to end, mixing in a little bit of, well, not even a little bit. I, met, I mixed a lot of Xavier in there. But uh, still, that Thursday comes, man, just that that whole day of, of noon to whatever, you feel so exhausted. Then you wake up on Friday, you're like, I get to do this all over again. Now, for me, I'm also mixing in some work in there with Bengals free agency and obviously with, with, the, with, the, with what the Reds are doing. But to me, that's, that's up there. I'd be stupid not to say Super Bowl Sunday. Um, it's still, it's still a marquee day on the calendar. Um, I'll go, I'll go kind of that first Saturday of college football, even though that really isn't the true because there's always a Thursday game before that usually and some Friday games sprinkled in, but kind of that first weekend of college football to me is a big deal. Yep. It just feels so good when things start back up that you're looking forward yes, to. Yes, correct. Like people correct. don't get this, but I always love the first day that college basketball practice is allowed. And Grant, this is kind of a, a because I have to go to practice to cover them. It's unique to that, but it, it just signals that it's back. And that like is, is such a great day. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to NKU early in the day and then go over to Xavier later in the day. And you're back in the gym for the first time. You coaches MF one of their guys because they missed a layup and warm up. You know, it's like something silly where it's like they're not even doing anything important and the coaches just want to set the tone so they absolutely lose their minds. It's funny yeah. and kicking I, balls in the stands and stuff. I love that. I think that used to be a bigger deal when you didn't have so much off-season workout. And, I, and I'll give myself an example because for us, we, we're kind of saying we start practice October 15th, but I got a week of practice coming up in June. I got some workouts probably coming up in May. We got team camp at Transy in June. We got open gyms in August and for guys who are not playing a, a fall sport. So it doesn't seem like it completely starts or stops it used to feel that way many many years ago so i'll kind of give you that i'll give you that but for me the fifth one because he asked for five honestly this is going to be the geek in me the first friday night of high school football in the tri-state wow yeah i didn't see that one coming but okay i'm that's one thing that i thought i would miss i thought i was going to miss covering high school football and basketball a little bit when i made the switch over from the inquire and quit doing the prep stuff that's something I have not gone back to at all. I have not thought about it one time since I quit doing it. Yeah, I still would like from a perspective, because I broadcast a bunch of high school games. Obviously, I coach, so I'm kind of in the realm of it. But I still got excited this year when you got the turn, even though our turn team didn't make it. I still got excited come tournament time. I still like turn, postseason. High, I like postseason anything tournaments. I really do. Big tournament guy. Postseason skinny. That's what they've always called that's, you. Exactly. Yep. I'll wake, right. up for the, I'll wake up for the NBA when the play-in games occur, Rick. <laughs> That's right. That is true. Uh, top five unsung heroes in Cincinnati sports. I've got to assume this is coming off the Andrew Whitworth retirement announcement. Yeah, but was he unsung? No, people loved him. I don't, but I assume that's where this question is originating from. I I, I'm like. going to have to, I'm going to have to, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't want to cop out unless you got some on the top of your head. I'm going to have to marinate on that one for a bit because I got to figure out what, what we mean by unsung. That's the thing. It, it's got to be like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what that would mean or who that would be. It's like an underrated guy, sort of, or something. I don't know. 
We're talking like a walk-on starting and winning a big game for a team? Are we talking about um, Zach Caleros coming off the bench to bail out Tony Pike's ass? I kid, Tony. I kid. Um, yeah, I got to marinate on that one, Rick. Save that one for me. Yeah. Well, I'm. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I might need like originally. You just read the question. It sounds like it makes sense. But now I'm trying to think of like what exactly an unsung guy would be because it's like any of the little scrappy uh, scooter Jeanette, scooter Jeanette type guys. People make a big deal out of in Cincinnati. Son of a coach. So, yeah. Son of, I mean, all that, all that good stereotypical. I like the question. So you think this is tied to Whitworth? Because I don't consider him unsung. Yeah, I mean, I maybe I'm wrong about that. I just assumed because of the timing of it, I was like, wait, you know, where is that coming from? But yeah, maybe it's not Andrew Whitworth because everyone loved him and made a big deal about about. Can I do like Ron Valone in 1999 coming out of nowhere to join a rotation and almost <laughs> help the Reds get to the playoffs? Never mind. That's it. We don't need to marinate on it. Ron Valone was the answer. I'm done right there. Ron Valone was all I needed no, to hear for that save, answer. Save that. I like when people go to the trouble of asking me questions like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna marinate on that one. Okay, fair enough. And then we'll end it with this. <laughs> Our guy Dan uh, tweets us. Uh, this is one that's personal to me. It's very near and dear to my heart. He said, "My son, a first grader, revealed to me this morning that he has never pooped at school. He always waits till he gets home." I know there are some people who have no poop pee zones, work, etc. Is there any place Skinny absolutely refuses to use the bathroom? I'm kind of with him on that a little bit, dude. I, I unless I gotta really go bad, I, I I can't do it. I don't do it in a restaurant. I can't do it in a there's there's like a sporting event. Can't do it there. I don't want to do it with a lot of people around where they just hear you just blow it, blast it out. I can't do that. I'm kind of with him on that. I have a I, I have a friend of mine. I will give you one of my best of all time was driving back from playing in a softball tournament in my twenties, right over imbibed and had been sweating all day. And it just, for whatever reason, I just had, I was driving down Dixie highway, bro. And I just had to go. And there was no, there was no, I can't, I, like I said, I can't do it in restaurant, but so the, it was like one of those ones where you got to go. Right. I mean, we've all been there hotel. So I know I pull into Dixie chili on Dixie highway. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever ordered in there. Have you ordered in there before? Oh, yeah. I love Dixie Chili, by the way. That's good. But the way the line is, you kind of get trapped into, like, this line as soon as you're in there, and there's no, like, way to get through without ordering. I just ran through the line, bumped into people, bumped through people, said, I'll be back to get something in a minute. And, of course, then you get out of the bathroom, and they realize what you just did. And I go, I'm good. I just walked out. I'm like, man. (laughs) Classy move. But yeah, no, I have a friend. Uh, well, I, I I won't name his name. A former radio partner. People can figure that out. Um, <laughs> he's a big stop in the hotel guy. He's yeah. a, he, he's one of those. He's going to stop in the hotel, and that's not a bad move. That, I that's like a, that play. I've never done play. it, but that is a smart play. Yeah, it is a smart play because they're usually not going to ask you if you've checked in or if you're you know if you're a guest. Um, you, you just walk into the lobby, go to the lobby restroom. And the funny thing is, most people in the hotel are not using the lobby restroom because you know why. They're they using got, their restroom. Yeah, they got one in the room. Right. So, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good. I I have room with a, with a, with with a couple of guys on the road for for uh, for some stuff I've done in the past. Where when you got to really go bad and you just don't want to be the guy to just stink up the room, I've gone down to the lobby restroom. Yeah, yeah that's the right play. I did. Yeah. I was staying with my buddy for the Big East tournament in New York a couple of years ago. I actually he was he lived in Brooklyn, right behind Barclays, and I did. I, I had the courtesy. I was like, look, you know, I'll get up in the middle of the night and pee here, but it's a I'm going to make the hike down downstairs. If I've, you know, I've got to do the it's real a solid work. move. It's, 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 it's yeah. a good roomy move. It's a clear, good roomy move. I, I uh, 
I am 100% on the same side with Dan's kid. Now he's done it through first grade. I will one up him and tell you, I never once pooped at school in my entire career. I, I don't think college. I did either. Not one I don't single think time. I did. Yeah, Rick, I don't think I did either. I, I no. really don't. I'm a huge home game player. I don't play any away games if I can help it. Now, like I was to the point where even when I traveled, it would be like at least a day or two before something's going to happen. Like my body would just shut down and be like, I don't, I don't have to go. I'm just going to hold it in until I get back. And then, you know, if you're on the road for more than a day or two, obviously you're, you're, that's going to happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm big on only use your home space, but a part of but for me, it's just comfort. Like I like to get basically right. ass naked. If I'm dude, I'm with you. Oh, I, it is a comfort thing. I'm yeah. you. I, I want no shoes on. I'm not doing like the pants around the ankles thing. I'm no, just agreed. taking it all off and get stretching my legs out, doing a nice man spread on the, on the throne. And dude, I, I kick a shoe off and take a pant leg off every time. Got to do it. Yeah, exactly. Got- right. Uh, are you a sit or stand wiper? A sit? People, do people really stand a wipe? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Wow. That's a big thing. It's a big oh. topic that's debated on, been debated online before. I would say I'm a sit wiper, but I will say I like to do the once I'm clean, yeah. stand up and do like one more squat there up because you got to get a little different angle, like kind of kind of lift off and start to stand one more before you you go. Along the lines of this topic, which I don't know why we're on this topic other than I kind of. Ask any anything, man. Correct. That's, That's what correct. happens. How about passing gas on an airplane? Where do you stand with that? You're you're a terrorist. We've we've talked about this before. I, I can I can vividly remember yep. the conversation of someone letting a silent but deadly on one of your flights, yep. and you just called him out on it. Said, "Who was that?" <laughs> it was brutal. And yeah, dude, that's a terrorist was, move. I mean, you should be arrested for farting on an airplane. And I will tell you, the the whole you know cabin pressure thing does play into account because it does. There's been plenty of times I've had to hold back big time, and it, it's one of those. As soon as you get off the plane, you can crop dust down that whole hallway all you want. Nobody's yeah. going to figure it out at that yeah. point. Walking farts all the way down yes, the, the runway into the terminal or whatever. Yeah, that is correct. Totally agree yeah, with n- that. Not on the plane. Not on the plane. For goodness' sake. Last last question: Are you with the toilet paper? Are you a folder or a crumbler? Um, I, yeah, I'd say 50, 50. Really? Yeah. That's a savage move. I think that's wild. I know a lot of people do it, but I'm straight folding. I like the nice things in life. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't give it a ton of thought. I don't believe. That yeah, was one, I, I, that I'll was one 50, thing 50. when I moved in with my now fiance that we had to address so Like she would buy prison toilet paper, like just yeah, like no, one we're, ply, p- poke your finger through it. As soon as you make the wrong movement, it's like, I, look, both of us work. I, we're not rich by any stretch of imagination. Both we're, of us we're, have, a P, we're, we're a P&G family, so we get some good toilet paper coming on. Oh, way. yeah, you're loaded. You got the good stuff. But that's why I'm like, let's just buy nice toilet paper. It It's really a, a, an expense I think we can afford. That is one of the perks of P&G. We've got so many paper towels, toilet paper. I got Old Spice body wash until I can't have Old Spice body wash and deodorant coming out the ying. I could probably even open up my own store, for goodness sakes. Well, they actually have that at P&G for their employees, right? Like a little yes. store where you get like some no, no, points dude, for they, doing different things. And you go in and just get like kind of free crap or extremely yeah, discounted. They, or whatever. they send a big box every year of stuff. Yeah, that is that is a nice perk. I have so on the P&G. I actually dated a girl who was a, a scientist that did like the... Um, have you ever had the scented beads that you put in your wash? Dude, I use make, them all the time. I yeah, they're awesome. Them. They're really they're the best. Yeah. Well, she was like on that team while they were developing them and testing. So like for a while, dude, my laundry dude, that was is, off that, the that is That is clearly one of the best inventions ever. I agree. It's, it's a really good feeling when anything you put on just smells amazing. Yes. Because you know why? As much as I love clean clothes, and I do. I mean, I am like 
if I wear something at 10 a.m. and it's six o'clock at night and I change it, it's all in the laundry. I, I, I don't, I, I'm a, I like, I don't mind doing laundry. Same. Um, Same but it, it sometimes depends, even if you had like a nice, you know, liquid detergent back in the day and, and you're downy and maybe even had a little thing in the, in the, in the dryer. If the water wasn't quite right, it didn't quite get the clothes smell in the way that these things, these things get the clothes smell like, damn, these clothes smell good. Yeah, it always smells pretty good when when you go through the wash, but these there's no mistake. Yes. Like you get oh, in someone's I'm... car and they're like, "Damn, did you just like shower in in uh, laundry detergent or what?" I mean, it's like Dude, it's, you huge can smell believer it. in yeah. those things. Huge believer. Could not sure. agree more. Get the scented beads, guys. Like it's no a question. it's a difference maker for your sheets too. Like for your bed. Oh, oh yeah, all oh, last for yes. like five six days. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, Rick, Rick, I'm going to leave you with this because because I put out a tweet this week and then we ended up doing a story o- online and it just went absolutely off the oh, charts. Oh, it was that was a viral tweet. I forgot to bring that up during the red segment. Yeah, <laughs> and I just did it. Just kind of, I was talking to a buddy of mine. and He goes, "Is Griffey still getting paid from the Reds?" I said, "You know what? I'm, I know he is." Let me look. And so we looked and we looked together. He goes, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Holy crap, dude! He's like sixth highest paid guy right now." Great tweet. And- by you. And so I'm like, I'm just going to tweet this out just because. And my lands, did it, did it go crazy? And the story went crazy, too. And it wasn't poking anything at Griffey. Um, it, it was just literally going, this is where we're at right now, is the Reds are so terrible that their sixth highest paid guy hasn't played since 2008. And I know then I got the whole, well, you know, it's an annuity. Yes, I do. And believe it or not, believe it or not you know what he actually gets paid by the Reds, what I'm told? Three million a year? No, no, no. That's what they put in the annuity. Oh, he's, gotcha. he's, he's getting a check for about five mil a year from them. Um, that's a smart business move right there. No, no question. Great move. Tremendous move by his agent, Brian Goldberg, and, and him to come up with that that concept. No question. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. But it just shows you where we're at, that the Reds are so in such a s- stupid place uh, in, in payroll and dumping and where they are that the six highest paid guys, Ken Griffey. And by the way, they were paying Bronson Arroyo as well through last year. Not quite as much. I think he was 1.9 maybe. Yeah. As soon as I saw you tweet that, the Griffey thing, I immediately go, I retweeted and I go, oh, that's going to do huge numbers. And I checked it right. back like yesterday. I was like, yeah, like 1,500 retweets or something. Yeah, and then I get then I get into the wormholes of, of the people arguing the Bobby Bonilla stuff because I'm tagged in it. And I'm like, oh, what? that's why something, that's yeah. why, as, as you know, I use Twitter basically for business purposes. I just, those wormholes just lend me to shake my head sometimes. I'll give you a little trick. It's not one I've really had to uh, use very often. But if you do go viral like that, there is a mute mute this tweet or mute conversation button on the tweet uh, so you don't I, have I know, to see all I, the I, nonsense coming in after I've mute, I, I don't block anybody i've muted a handful of people individually i didn't know that that button. yeah you I can do it for one specific tweet okay. or conversation so you don't have to read all the replies which yeah. is nice so yeah, yeah that is an option that that was uh that was something when i when i saw you tweet that i couldn't couldn't Same. believe it and i was like oh this is going to do great on twitter so incredible rick i appreciate it as always should be a fun weekend we'll be back to talk about the fallout from the first two rounds of the ncaa tournament Talking about Xavier heading to New York to win the NIT, maybe. We'll see where things are with that. Bengals free agency will continue as well. So a lot more to get to on next week's podcast. Thanks for being with us for this week's podcast. And as always, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskAnyAnything for any questions that you may have that will answer on any topic. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the, the weekly post-free edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer with Prime Millennium.